One of the interesting insights that Silicon Valley had that I feel like is not that well known outside of Silicon Valley, the growth actually comes from within the product, right? So if you look at an app like TikTok, the virality of TikTok is not that TikTok is spending all of their time on social media and pitching podcasts and writing blogs. It's actually coming from users who use TikTok reposting content and telling their friends and sharing it on other platforms. Hey, CEOs, welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and we are back with a very exciting and actually one of my most requested episodes. This is a little plug. If you are not in our Geneva community, I do post questions there about what guests you want to see and questions for them. So this was one of the most requested. Today, we are talking to Lex Roman. She empowers early stage entrepreneurs to find their clients without playing Google and Instagram's games. I mean you're talking my language. She has worked in Silicon Valley as a growth designer, and now she has turned into a small business growth marketer. She's on a mission to help solopreneurs set and get sales without being beholden to big tech. Lex supports small business owners with one-on-one services as well as group programs. Lex, I am so excited to welcome you to the episode today. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. So I am so excited to have you here because a couple weeks ago, we did an episode with Mary about growth strategies in 2023. And a lot of that, of course, was growth on social media and what strategies we should be using. And if our listeners are anything like me, they listened to that episode and they were like, wow, this is great info. Um, I am already overwhelmed by all the things I have to do, all the platforms I have to be on all the things I have to do. So I think it's so perfect to have a little bit of a contrasting episode talking about how, you know, we don't necessarily have to be on social media to face all this growth. So first, I just want you to give us a little intro about you and what kind of got you into this business. And we'll go from there. So my background is in tech growth. I used to help companies grow Um, especially companies that had venture investments. So they wanted to scale to really big dollar amounts, really big revenue amounts, really big user engagement. And so one of the interesting insights that Silicon Valley had that I feel like is not that well known outside of Silicon Valley is that, (laughs) (laughs) get ready. So the growth actually comes from within the product, right? So if you look at an app like TikTok, The virality of TikTok is not that TikTok is spending all of their time on social media and pitching podcasts and writing blogs. It's actually coming from users who use TikTok, reposting content and telling their friends and sharing it on other platforms. And so that insight of growth coming from within or in Silicon Valley, they call it product led growth or you could call it business led growth, right? Growth from the value that your company delivers it applies to small businesses as well. And I started to notice small business owners wanting to get seen online, particularly those who don't have brick and mortar storefronts, people who are service providers, people who are operating online, they wanna get seen, they turn to social media, but it's actually really hard for them to compete in that space because they're competing against the entire world. And this applies on Google as well, right? You're competing with every company, you're competing with Walmart, with Amazon, And that's really challenging. It's hard to get good at that when your business is actually about something totally different. 
And so I, I became really passionate about helping people sort of break through that. And there's some things that you can do as a small business owner that are unique to small business that actually can't be replicated as well by a giant corporation. I love that you have background in, you know, what some of us would look at as like, these are the companies to follow. So, you know, you really have the credentials to back this up. And that is so cool to hear. And like, that is such an awesome point I've never even thought about. Like, TikTok lets their users do the the talking and the referring and the growing for them. And I think that's a little insight as to what you're about to share with us. But I really think that's so awesome to hear. So, you know, starting out, obviously, you have a different approach to not being on social media, but when we want to grow and expand and, you know, find new clients, where would you, with some of your clients, where would you start and what do those other avenues look like? I think of it as relational versus broadcast, right? So social media and Google search, SEO, they're more broadcast approaches where you're putting content out there and hoping that it reaches your audience. Now, ideally you're targeting that, right? And there are strategies like the episode that you talked about um, with Mary's like about that, right? You wanna have targeted strategies even on a broadcast platform, but with a relationship-based strategy, you can really go right to your buyers and you can work your network in various ways to make that possible. So one of the things that I coach solopreneurs to do, and this applies actually to any size business, is to focus only on your buyers and to stop talking to a broad audience. So you focus on people that are most ready to buy a solution, not just sort of anyone. And so you're thinking about where are those people showing up? You're going to hyper-specific platforms. You're going to industry-based groups. You're going to podcasts like this one that are targeted at a specific kind of person. You're looking at support groups. You're looking at forums. You're writing for publications that are targeted at your buyers. And you're, you're not putting energy into things that are sort of more like general, more consumer focused, more global audience. I love that you brought up what you're putting energy into because literally, you know, thinking about all the social platforms that we need to be on, like, that's the first thing that I think of. I'm like, I don't have the time and the energy to do this. And I know when we talked previously, you mentioned that a lot of your clients have, you know, super hyper specific target audiences. And if you are just kind of broadcasting on, you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever, like you could hit anybody, even if you do have those strategies. And so why are you wasting your time kind of focusing on that growth? I also think like people are so focused on the numbers in a way that like doesn't really necessarily lead to conversion. So it's, it's really interesting to hear that. But also I would love to hear kind of your take on, you know, when you approach it from a relational component. So, you know, you're working with referrals, you're working with, you know, people who know your business versus when you are trying to target on social media, the general public, what do those leads kind of look like and and how do they convert maybe in a better and more quality way? Yeah. So one of the lessons we can take from apps like TikTok um, is the idea of making it really easy for your clients or users in their case to share what you're doing. So thinking about when you wanna ask for referrals from clients, thinking about how you can seed the language with them so they're sending higher quality leads your way, thinking beyond your clients, thinking about who else is in your network, thinking about partners that you have, businesses that you're working with, collaborators in your space. How can you audience share 
and get the word out through other business owners who are also serving your audience. And you're, you're giving them that language, you're making it really easy for them to spread the word about your business. And you're doing that through relationships, which is again, something that you know Walmart and Amazon is not doing, right? They can't compete with you on that, right? They can compete with you on Google, they can compete with you on Instagram, they can't compete with you in your relationships with other human beings. I think also a lot of times people wait for things like referrals, they wait for opportunities like that. And instead thinking about how can I be working my network, not just of past clients and current clients, but also of past colleagues that I used to work with professionally, maybe people from my alumni association. Um, if I'm showing up to professional groups, are there people there who are my buyers or know my buyers? And how can I make it really easy for them to share my business and become part of my referral network? I think that's such a good point because I know, you know, there are always people who love us and will talk about us a lot, but sometimes you have to be like, Hey, can you actually, you know, share? And it's, that's been so hard for me because in my brain, I'm like, Oh, if someone likes me enough, they'll talk about me. But it's like, you're forgetting that, especially at least for both of us and probably a lot of our listeners, we're marketing to other businesses and we know how busy they are. And so, you know, it's not because they don't like you. It's not because they don't want your friends, you know, friends to know about you. It's literally, they don't have the time to sit down and compose an email to a friend explaining what you do and how you can benefit them. So I love when you say, you know, make it easy. Can you give us some examples of like concrete things that your customers or your, um, you particularly have done to really help that referral relationship? Yeah. One of the things that that is like baseline, I would do this right away if you haven't already done it. Think about when you want to ask your past clients for a referral. So when after an engagement is done, or maybe when after a big win, if you have ongoing engagements as you do, Christy, right? So when do you want to be asking them for those referrals and writing that email language that you're just going to send to them? Hey, I'm so glad that we've been able to have these amazing achievements together. If you know someone who needs insert thing that I do great here and is looking for this amazing outcome, right? I would love it if you would send them my way. It makes a huge difference when clients are for work, et cetera, et cetera. So making that template, being clear on that timing. So you're not sort of like making those calls throughout your year, you know, three weeks after a project, you're going to ask for a referral or one week after a win, you're going to ask for a referral and copy paste. Here's the template. I'm going to add a little bit of customization. I think also thinking about other ways that that one relationship can turn into more relationships, or as I like to say, how one sale can turn into more sales. Things like if you have a notable client, can you co-pitch a podcast episode together, right? Talk about the work that you did together. Can you do a case study together? Um, if they're doing press, can you hop on their press train? I have a couple of folks in my membership, they're working with really notable local clients and they're doing press about that work, making sure that they get mentions in that. Um, yeah, and getting I do credit. actually so want to throw in one of the things that I do just on this line is when I ask for, because this was something like a little weird for me to navigate at first because I do work with some, you know, big influencers and content creators. And I was like, this is really weird. Can I talk about working with them? What I do that might be great for our listeners to kind of hear and think about is when I send them after like our first meeting or a week after, um, I send a questionnaire, you know, just, hey, how did things go? But one of the questions I ask is, hey, are you okay with me, you know, talking about you as my client? And are, am I okay to share our wins? Obviously, like 
I work with finances. So in a, you know, confidential way, but are you okay with me sharing that? And that has changed when someone's like, yes, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I can talk about them. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Cause that's really helped me be like, yes, this client said yes. And they're okay with it. And I don't feel weird about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times we don't ask for those things. Right. And when we do, when we do, they often happen, especially totally. if you have <laughs> an amazing no. service. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're thrilled. You provide a great service. And very often we neglect our marketing and, and, you know, finding and taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. I think that's really great that you share that because, you know, that is something that we, we sometimes leave ourselves in the background and I'm, I am just as guilty of that, but I think that's so true, right? Like one, one client, one sale, like we had to work for that one and then let that person go out and like speak your praises to the rest of the people. Like how easy is that to just have an automated network going while you're, you know, I don't know, on the beach doing fun things with your family. So I really love talking about that. So some question that I have a little bit around that is, you know, we've created this referral network. Obviously, referrals kind of, you know, the timing may be a little bit weird on them. How do we know that what we're doing, like, is successful, right? I think on social media, it's easier for people to be like, okay, I, I had this number of views and I can see, you know, my saves and shares so that we, we have some analytics to pull from that. How do we determine if what we're investing in is actually starting to pay off when building this kind of, you know, marketing plan? I recommend that people put some tracking in place for lead sources. So if you're a service provider, using something like a CRM to track where your leads are coming from and to track specific referral sources. I think one mistake folks make is they don't break down word of mouth. A lot of times when I get on the phone with people, they're like, most of my business is coming from word of mouth. But when we really dig into it, it's there's more flavors to that. Like it's really clearly coming from a certain professional group or it's really clearly coming from past colleagues and understanding the most the most like granular level of detail there is it a specific person is it a specific type of person is it a specific group that will help you figure out how to invest more time in that space that's working um i also do think you want to diversify your lead sources so you don't necessarily want all of your business to be coming from referrals um it's great when it can but i think you also want to come up with two to three other levers that you can pull if you need leads and when you're doing that, you're still looking for relationship-based approaches and you're still looking for the most targeted channel you can get your buyers on. So you're so much better off going to speak at a group of everyone who is in your buyer market than just like blasting out some posts on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And yeah, if you're just blasting posts out and hoping they're going to get to the right place, you're going to get super burnt out. I know for me, that has been a goal kind of at the, the end of this year and towards next year is like speaking at conventions where my target buyer is or finding those groups and also finding more aligned referrals. I would love to kind of talk about that. When we start to think about referrals, obviously it's not necessarily, you know, Joe on the street over here. Hey, you know, I have this person. I do this. Can you send me people? How do we start to think about who else in our network might be working with clients who would be good fits for us and starting to build those relationships in a way that is going to be beneficial, hopefully for both parties. 
Yeah. Are you are you talking about like other business owners or sort of the audience sharing model? Yeah. Whether yeah, specifically other business owners. I think at least for me, that's been the biggest context. But um, even you know, other friends, I guess. Yeah, I love the business partnerships. I think is also something that a lot of folks leave on the table because. As a business owner, you're doing all this cultivation of your own network. This other business owner is doing the same thing with theirs. So that's an amazing opportunity. You're not just getting one referral from them. You're tapping into their entire audience. And there's so many ways that you can work with them, not just referrals, but collaborating on content, co-hosting events, bundling services together. There's all kinds of ways that you can partner with folks. Um, I think one, one thing that you want to do is be really, really clear about who you work with. I think this is something that we overlook. And especially, you know, for folks who are just starting out, um, they don't articulate well who they work with. If you can't articulate that, people don't know who to send your way. So the more specific you can get, the more clear you can get on that language, the better referrals you're going to get. Um, and I think doing those coffee chats with other business owners and, and getting a sense, do they work with that same audience? How do they approach that audience? Are they as specific as you are in who they work with? Do you have value alignment? Do they work a similar way? Um, you really don't even need that many business partners for that to be a successful strategy for you. Two or three can go a really long way if you're a small business owner. Yeah, that's that's a great point, especially because when we think about, you know, that two or three goes out to two or three more and that goes out to more. And that's that's really the goal of us doing this. So, yeah. And I love you saying, you know, talking about coffee chats, getting to know people. And even I know for me, my referral partners, you know, I, I am a lot of, you know, business to business. I work with, a, you know, bookkeepers, financial advisors, all those who would kind of be along the path of my type of client. And I can tell you for a fact you know, I have quite a few people reaching out to me who also want to work with my clients um, and probably need other people as well. But the ones who are checking back in and like staying top of mind, because there was a time when I was like, hey, I don't really have anybody to send to you. I'm still building up my network or, you know, my clients aren't in need of your services right now. But then when it got to a point when I did have those clients, the ones who had come back and checked in, even just to say like, hey, how are things going? Just want to, you know, get breakfast and chat. Like those are the ones that I was thinking of and was staying top of mind. So that's something I've, especially, you know, we're filming this at the end of December. So especially going into the holidays, like something little that I want to do and somebody needs to hold me accountable um, is just send like, hey, happy holidays. Hope you've had a great year just to check in with those people. Because again, as business owners, like we never intend to like forget about people or not send people their way. But it's just like there is so much going on at any given time. It might just kind of slip your mind unless you build up those relationships. Yes. I think networking is one of the biggest like misses that business owners just leave on the table. So whether it's like finding new people to meet or investing in your current network by checking in with them, like you're saying, Christy, I think we often just overlook that and we lose touch with so many people that have offered value to our lives who could continue to do that. And whether it's checking back in with past clients, checking back in with past refers or checking in with those potential business partners, that's time well spent. Because if you're doing that, it's gonna pay you back at a higher rate then again, some of the broadcast activities, things that are like maybe a little bit more long game or experimental. 
So when we're looking at the broadcast activities, so, you know, throwing something out on TikTok, Instagram, whatever that looks like to get those high numbers, I think a lot of business owners, you know, we feel good about seeing, hey, these these big numbers, this many people viewed, maybe even I got this many leads from it or whatever. But I don't I don't know if you've seen kind of the quality of leads from those versus from referral partners. But, you know, for you and from what you've seen, what is kind of the conversion between those two? And is it is it more worth the time to invest in, in people than just broadcasting things out to have so many sales calls that maybe don't convert as well? Yeah, I think it depends. So we talk a lot about where's your target audience, but I also think it depends on you and how you like to work and exist in the world. So if you are super excited to be filming videos and making content, like I have some clients I work with who they like being creators, right? They like using TikTok, they like using Twitter, they like using Instagram or LinkedIn, and that's great. If you enjoy that activity and you believe your audience is there, that can be worthwhile. Um, and it can, you can find some great leads that way. It tends to be a lower conversion rate than when you're networking or doing referrals um, or going to a more targeted strategy like a publication, a podcast, a group, um, a guest writing thing, a press strategy that's more targeted at your folks, but it can pay off in the long term. And so I think if you enjoy that, if you want to be a creator, and I think, you know, if you're thinking about something like courses, or if you have a product or a digital download, something that's more scalable, you can really build up that audience for those kinds of things pretty easily. I shouldn't say pretty easily, but you can do it there. Easier, easier, um, you know, your cost per you know, you don't want to spend too much time cultivating yeah. uh, a $20 sale. So the broadcast things work better for those low cost purchases. But I think it comes down to not only where your audience is, but also what you enjoy. And if you're tired of doing those things, I just want you to know you don't have to do them. If you enjoy them, if you find value in them, great. And I also think that social media can be an interesting networking strategy. So I actually use it a lot for that. I use it for keeping up with my current network. Um, it's not as much a growth platform for me. People usually find me somewhere else and then follow me from that. Yeah, I've definitely heard it's kind of like your nurture platform. You keep up with people, whether it's, you know, referrals or potential clients one day. But um, that's a good point, too, about if you like it, you can do it. I just feel like we're constantly fed this narrative of like, you will blow you or you could, I guess not you will, but you could blow up on social media and that will change everything for you. And so everybody just kind of pours and pours their energy into this. And it's like, look at me, right? Like I... I am not the most like extroverted person. I don't love creating content. Like my videos are not like me the most excited ever. And so for me, like spending time pouring into that is draining and that may not be the way I will grow. So for someone like me and probably some of the listeners to hear, like there are other ways, those are just the ones you've seen kind of broadcasted to the world. It's good to hear that like, you can take whatever strategy, you know, you kind of want and you can and probably should use these things in tandem. So when we start to look at, you know, who who you can network with and and you saying um, like where your clients, potential clients are and hang out, what do you start to look at to figure that out? 
you have to get really clear on who your target buyers are. I think people talk about their buyers in really vague terms. They often use gender and age, maybe location uh, or industry title, things like that. I, what you really want to think about is the behavior when someone is ready to buy. So not just like, Ooh, these are people that. that I'd like to work with, but who's the person that knows they have the problem you solve and is actively looking for a solution. And then you want to start by thinking, where do I think they're turning for that information? Who are they asking for advice? What are they looking on Google? Are they going to groups? Are they going to certain blogs? Are they turning to certain journalists for information? Who do they trust? What are they searching for? And how can I show up in that moment when they're searching for a solution? You're going to start with some assumptions on that, but over time, you want to talk to your prospects and you want to talk to your clients to get a better sense of what are they reading? What are they attending when it comes to events and conferences? Who are they listening to when it comes to podcasts or YouTube shows? Um, who did they turn to for advice, right? Because they're not just like calling up their Uncle Joe for advice on how to find a CVA, right? They're, they're turning to someone specific in their network, probably another business owner. Um, so depending on what you do, who are they turning to for advice? How do you reach those people to make sure they're aware of you? Um, and can you get more clarity on the specific publications, podcasts, events, you know, where else they're looking for you? I love that you said what they're doing in the buying stage, because I think that's something that is often missed because for me, uh, yeah, I will find because my clients are, you know, creative business owners. A lot of them are on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever, but the purpose of them being there is to market their own business. So it's, I will connect with them and maybe they'll reach out because, you know, they've found me, right? Like they were in, they're now in the awareness phase of like, I know who you are, but they're not actually ready to move. And, and that makes so much sense now that you're saying, you know, they're not in the buying phase then. So I, I love that. And I'm learning so much for my own self. So can you just give us an example, maybe, you know, either a client you've worked with or your own business, like how specific those can be and like what the process is to be like, okay, my, my client does this, they think this, they feel this, so they would be here. Like just walk through, you know, what that might look like. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I had a client who, well, this was a member, actually I have a membership program who, um, really wanted to reach a very specialized audience. So within tech, sort of a micro audience in tech, it's an emergent space that not a lot of people know about. And so they've been spending this past couple of years trying to understand who these folks are. And a lot of what they've been doing is talking to past folks that they've worked with. So they run workshops and classes. And so really surveying and having one-on-one -on -one conversations with them to say, what groups are you a part of? What have you tried to solve this problem in the past? Ooh, that's such you know, a where question. were you with, yeah, yeah. Where were you with this topic before you came to us? Um, because if you get a sense of what people are trying before you or where they're looking before you, you can start to show up a little bit earlier in that space when they're on the edge of maybe becoming buy ready. Um, and so you start, they've uncovered a lot of potential business partners that way. They've uncovered Slack groups and communities that people are in where they're getting word of mouth that they didn't know about. Um, it's that whole practice is actually called customer development. And it comes from Silicon Valley. Uh, Steve Blank originated that term. 
And the idea is like not to spend so much time pitching your service to everybody, but really to listen and understand people, people's behaviors, their situations, and their motivations as it relates to your business. Well, that sounds like it's not only beneficial to find find your people and find the right ones, but I mean, that's going to be an easy sales call and an easy conversion if you they literally already have the answer from people they're going to look for the answer from and they're in the buying stage, they're ready to move. And I think that is such a more efficient use of your time than throwing out a video on social media, maybe having 10 unqualified leads reach out. You're having sales calls. Those are, you know, they're hard to go through. I know I've gone through social media sales calls that I was just like, it's agonizing to be like, no, like you need to go. You're ready to move. And for me, like, I don't, I don't convince people, right? I'm like, my, my buyer knows they're ready and they know what I can do for them. And so that's definitely something so good to think about. And I love, you know, Slack groups, trusted advisors. That's, that's so awesome. So, um, do you have any other kind of things that maybe we haven't talked about that, you and your clients have found really successful outside of social media or insights that you've seen have been really successful in getting leads? I'm amazed at how wide the range can be in terms of what marketing channels can work. So uh, some of my clients do really well with a press strategy. Now you wouldn't normally think that, but if you are someone who's doing something that's really differentiated and, or if you can find specific press outlets that really target your audience, um, that can be a pretty successful strategy for you. Um, guest blogging is another great one because again, you can go to really targeted publications and you're also combining that with a Google search strategy, right? You're using a phrase that your buyers are looking for, how to find the best web designer near me, how to hire a financial professional for my business, right? And you're writing, you're building off of someone else's audience, plus you're getting the SEO um, juice from Google. I think that really thinking about the most targeted that you can get first and sort of exhausting your opportunities from the people that are closest to you, right? They're one step away from you. They're within your network. They're one step into your network, exhausting that opportunity and then moving outward. So you're starting with the people that are at the edge of buying and you're moving out towards the research folks. So rather than starting with the people that are like sort of poking around, you start with the people that are most ready to buy. I think that's really great for even me to hear to say, you know, hey, we we aren't really hitting our ideal person at, at the stage we need to. They might be the right person and maybe it's just not the right time. That sounds so cliche, but like maybe they're they're not at the point in their journey where they are ready to move. So I love hearing that. And I just want to hear a little bit more about um, your experience doing this, I know you've come from Silicon Valley and worked on some, you know, very big names growing this. So can you just give us a little insight into exactly who you've done this stuff for and why you know and why our listeners should know it should work? Just trust me. Um, so my background. <laughs> we back it up here. Uh, yeah. My background is in growth, actually, not marketing. And I think that's a really important distinction because, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, growth comes from within. It comes from the core value that you deliver, and it comes from the virality that your business drives from that value exchange. Whereas marketing historically has just focused on driving people in, right, without necessarily being as that. invested. Yeah in the lifetime value of that relationship and how that turns into more customers. Um, 
So some of the companies that I've done this work with, uh, Gusto, Macy's, I've worked with giant corps like Nissan on Toyota. Um, I've worked with smaller startups that y'all have never heard of. I've worked with growth stage companies like Prosper and Ableto and Amplitude. Um, and a lot of what I did was teach people how to experiment with this. And this is another thing that I would share with your listeners is make sure that you're testing these things. I would always advise you to go with the strategies that you believe will pay off first. So don't just test everything right off the bat, right? Start with things that you believe are likely to pay off because you have past evidence about them, um, because other folks in your industry have evidence about them. But then it's okay to add some experiments that are a little bit more long game and to say, okay, I'm going to launch my own podcast. What do I expect that will do for me and my business? And when do I expect to see that return? So, you know, one of the things that I did for companies in Silicon Valley was setting up that data infrastructure and adding that rigor to teams to say, what do we think this change will do for the business and how will we measure that that's true for a small business owner? I don't believe you need to be at, you don't need to be like pulling crazy amounts of charts and things like that. For me, I coach my clients on really lead source tracking is the main thing that you need, right? Know where your leads are coming from. And if you've done Instagram religiously all year and you look at that lead source and none of them are coming from there, then it's time to go. What's the point of this activity? Is it doing the things that I want it to be doing? I think that's a, such a good point that not enough people talk about, honestly, is like, when to, I don't want to say like give up on things, but when to let them go. One of the things I actually kind of hate about the attitude, I guess, of the business owner community is like, don't give up, like keep working. It'll come with time. And it's like, mm, I think there's actually like a benefit to knowing when to stop doing something and to know I, I'm totally on board with like, yes, things take time and things will take time to grow. But how long do we give it before we're saying, hey, we are wasting effort on something that is not valuable? And so I really, really actually love that narrative of like when it's not paying off for us, we need to move on. So I know this is going to vary, you know, really dramatically, but what do the timeframes for a lot of this look like in order to pay off? Should we be waiting years on the same strategy? Should we be waiting months? What does that look like? I would definitely mix it up and have some shorter, easy payoff tests and some longer tests. The shorter your window, the easier it is to measure. The longer you make that, the harder it becomes to measure. One, one way to do that is off of your close cycles. So the distance from when an inquiry comes in to when you close a sale, what the average is of that. You, for most of us, it's going to be less than a month. Um, but there are some businesses where that's more of a 60 or 90 day thing or even longer, depending on if your business is really seasonal. I talked to someone in insurance the other day and he was like, this is really an annual close cycle for me. So I think, you know, thinking about your close cycle can make a difference. But if you are looking for business actively, the shorter, the better, right? You want some irons in the fire that are going to pay off within weeks. And you want to prioritize your time towards making that successful. So if you're a one person team or even a five person team, you want two to three tests. You don't want 10 tests and you want to let the other things go. You don't want to be trying to manage like 12 marketing strategies that you're not sure if any of them are working. You want to really put your energy into this month. We're trying LinkedIn DMing and we think that this will result in five, you know, discovery calls for the business. And we want that to close in two sales. And we're going to figure that out by the end of this month. 
And we're going to look back at that and see if those things happen. We're going to see how close we got to that metric. And if there was any evidence that it was working, great. Maybe there was something you could tweak in the strategy, your message, who you were targeting. If there's nothing, then you're going to make a call about, do we believe that this is something we should continue to try or should we ditch it as you're saying, Christy? And I think that's so important to intentionally sit down and say, am I going to keep working on this or am I going to ditch it? And because I know, at least for me, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know, I'll do it if I have time, but then I just get overwhelmed with all of it. But like sitting down and saying, yes, I am going to focus on, you know, one, two, three, four things right now. And I'm going to actively let the others go. I think that's really hard for a business owner to say, but being really intentional about those, because, you know, if if we try to focus on 10, we are going to not probably do well at all, if any of them. So I think that's an awesome point. And Lex, thank you so much for all of this information you've shared with us today. I know I personally have already learned a lot. We'll be finding buyers at the buyer stage. <laughs> so I've loved the takeaways from this episode. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah, folks can find me at supereasydigital.com. I have a newsletter where I share a lot of tips like this and I have some free tools on the site. Um, I'm also most active on Instagram at super easy does it. Perfect. And I will be linking all of those in the show notes. You guys can find a really easy link to that. Lex is also giving the CEO wing woman listeners a discount on her course, seven steps to getting more leads. So I feel like I'm like a like a game show host, like you can get this, but I'm so excited about this. You guys can use the code CEO wing woman. And I will link that again in the show notes if you guys are interested in getting that. So thank you so much, Lex, for being on with us and CEOs. We'll see you next week.